Uh, welcome to More to Come, PW Comic World's podcast of comics and graphic novel news. Uh, you can find us on all social media at PW Comics World. I'm Heidi McDonald, the editor-in-chief of The Beat, comicsbeat.com. And today we have a returning guest, Greg Pock, writer, cook, uh, Kickstarter, crowdfunder, everything. Um, and Greg, how are you? Uh, hanging in there. Uh, yeah. You know, it's been, it's been a, it's, we're, we're still in the middle of this freaking pandemic, you know? It's like things are, things are, we're just talking about this thing. Bricks are falling out of the wall, but we're, we're keeping on. We're just doing, you know, yeah. 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 We're, we're, hanging in there. we're hanging in there. And, uh, you know, we talked for more to come about three years ago in 2018. And I, I was just, uh, you know, listening to it and I was like, at the end, we said, Oh, well, Greg, we'll have to visit again. And here we are three years yeah, later. Exactly. So, and, and, and given the, uh, bizarre, uh, progression of time these days, it, it feels like this is exactly the right time. It feels like, you know, this, this uh-huh. is about a week later. Right. Uh, <laughs> right. Or it might be 10 years later. I'm not really sure because time works weirdly now, but, um, but no, it's, I, it, thank you so much for bringing me back too. I, I, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's always a pleasure, um, talking with you and, uh, particularly about like really this independent stuff I'm working on. I'm always, yeah. When folks yeah. Are interested in talking about that. Well, the, well, um, well, I just, I'll give a little preview for anybody who wants to listen in. Last time we were talking in 2018, three years ago, about your innovative, revolutionary use of newsletters to promote your work. And so, uh, I want to come back to that. <laughs> Yeah. Right. Um, because you're a trendsetter just, to, you know, uh, three years early. Right. <laughs> but, um, but what I would, would want to talk about right now is, uh, your latest Kickstarter, your latest crowdfunder, which is a book. And I want to make sure it's called get the uh, cooking will break your heart. Oh, cooking will break your heart. That's right. Um, so yeah, it is a, uh, it's a, it's a cookbook and a memoir. Um, during the pandemic in particular, I had uh, done a lot of cooking and had started posting uh, pictures of the stuff I was cooking as I was cooking on the interwebs. And, uh, I mean, I'd been doing this before, but I, I did it a lot during the pandemic and folks kind of, you know, got, you know, it was, it was fun. And folks would ask me from time to time, Hey, when are you going to do a cookbook? And the answer is now. So mm-hmm. here it is. Um, but, uh, as I started sort of thinking about this seriously, I was like, yes, I'm going to do this awesome cookbook. That's, you know, I'm a, I'm a busy freelancer. I like to cook simple things, um, that are nonetheless delicious. And, and I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a, you know, biracial Korean, you know, half Korean, half white kid from Dallas. And so there's an interesting mix of stuff I cook and that might be intriguing to people and all that kind of good stuff. But, um, so that part of it made, you know, that was fairly clear. Okay. This is going to be a good practical cookbook. Like the good, like I did a practical how to book about running Kickstarters a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but the more I started digging into this, it was like, you know what? Cooking is about life and death and family and memory and joy and grief and everything else. And, uh, so it's, it's turning into, um, uh, you know, a, a very personal piece of writing, you know, probably mm-hmm. one of the most personal things I will have put out into the world. It's a cookbook memoir that'll be filled with, um, stories and poetry and comics and photos and, um, other kind. I mean, almost a bit of a zine feel, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like a kind of a mishmash of media. Um, but, and there'll be an overarching kind of story about the importance of all these different meals and what they mean in terms of, uh, you know, this kind of personal journey through, uh, love and life and death. Oh, well, I'm going to read you 
actually on the on the Kickstarter page, you do have a description. I'm going to read it. It'll be the most Korean-American Texan biracial grandson of children of the Depression and the Korean diaspora coming of age, facing mortality, Gen X grappling with bereavement and joy, practical everyday cooking cookbook you'll ever read. And it will be dedicated to the memory of my beloved mother, Jane Park, and my grandmothers, Wee Chun Park and Grace Rikers. And um, you do have a great picture on there. Of your two grandmas, or I mean, they're not together. It's two separate pictures of your two grandmothers, um, one Korean, one white. And, um, you know, I don't know. To me, that's America. <laughs> <laughs> well, I appreciate it. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it's, um, I, 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 I'm old enough that I've lost, you know, you get to a certain age and you kind of realize you've lost a lot of the people who are important. Not that it's suddenly a surprise that, oh my God, I lost these people. No. I mean, you know, as you get older, you lose people. And, um, and I kind of realized that I've lost a lot of the people who cooked the most for me wow. during the course of my life and for whom I cooked a lot. And um, so every time I cook, I mean, there's a funny, you know, like I, I, cooking can just randomly become a really emotional experience. It's sort of the same way, like, um, you know, like you, you I, everybody has that experience of drinking or tasting something. And then suddenly you're 40 years ago in your grandma's kitchen. You know what I mean? The, rat, the ratatouille moment. There you go. Yeah. yeah. Right? You know, like I, I've got like, um, like guava juice does that for me. You know, like mm. I, you know, I've had a sip of guava juice and suddenly I'm in my grandma's, you know, grandma's living room, uh, you know, at the age of seven, mm. you know, um, in, in Hawaii. Um, but, um, but cooking, the act of cooking itself does that to me now. You know what I mean? Like I, I cook, mm. I, I make broth and I think about my mom. You know, my mom passed away and, uh, this summer. And, um, yeah. but there's, you know, there's certain things I cook for her that she just loves so much. You know what I mean? And, and mm. it, it, it was so, uh, it was such a gift to me to be able to cook something that she wanted to eat during her last, you know, and during, you know, during, during her last months and years. And, um, and the joy she took in, uh, in talking to me about it, you know, giving me instructions on what to put in the broth and all that, you mm-hmm. know, and, and then the, you know, and, and, and her just, you know, enjoyment in, in, uh, in drinking that. And, um, you know, so right. this is everyday mundane activity of making, making broth suddenly right. becomes a really loaded experience, you know, and that's, yeah. you know, it's, it, you know, I mean, that's, that's part of, that's part of being human, right? But, uh, hmm. but that's part of the book. Were you a avid cook before the pandemic? Because a lot I, of me and a lot of my friends have had to learn the hard way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I learned. I mean, I had a I had a much gentler uh, uh, experience of being thrown into the deep pool with cooking. I, I went to uh, um, after I finished my undergrad, I got a scholarship to go to. England to study history and, uh, mm. and the food there was notoriously not. So you great. had, to, in other words, you had to learn how to cook from, for survival purposes in yes, England. Yes, exactly. Right. Mm. So, um, and I had some, <laughs> I had some friends. I had a, I had a Taiwanese American friend and a Japanese American friend there at the same time. And we would get together and do these pan Asian dinners. Um, you know, we, you know, we were all writing home and getting recipes and all this kind of stuff. And, uh, it was, it was, it was fantastic. I mean, it was a great mm. way to kind of, dive into cooking we did we did really ambitious big like thanksgiving dinners as well you know that was the first time i like roasted a turkey on my own and all that but um uh and then you know and then over years i've just added more and more stuff to my repertoire i mean i was cooking before that but not um not in uh not as much and not in mm-hmm. uh, such an organized way yeah i mean i always tell people that i lost this is truth i lost like 15 pounds <laughs> right away during the pandemic because oh, I was wow. eating my own cooking. 
<laughs> well, you know, that's, but that, I, somebody, somebody told me that like a restaurant, I mean, I, I love New York City restaurants. Yeah. You know, yeah, I, yeah. Loved them. But somebody made the, made a, made a, a fairly uh, astute point that at a restaurant, at home, you know, you're mm. cooking something, you're not going to throw in a whole stick of butter. Right? <laughs> at a restaurant, no. you're going to throw in a whole stick that, of butter. And that's know? why you're like, oh, I love the food here. It's so good. <laughs> exactly. I don't know why it's so good. Yummy. Yeah. I know. There's a whole yeah. stick of butter in that pasta. That's why. Yeah. I, I, literally a whole stick of butter. So, um, so yeah, there's uh, there's a way in which cooking, yeah, cooking for yourself also is a good way to uh, eat a little more healthfully. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Just because mm-hmm. you're a little more aware yeah. of what you're putting in. Yeah, or not even knowing what butter is, as I found <laughs> out. But um, yeah. Anyway, but enough about me. Your food looks insanely good. Um, Aww, thank you. Well, uh, and and you know, I think. You, you've hit the, I'm looking at some photos, like, uh, you got a little rice bear there, you got some, yeah. some little food animals, um, yeah, you got a little fancy there. Yeah, getting a little fancy here and there. I mean, I, I, uh, like I say, I, I really do, I mean, I'm always kind of thinking in the back of my head, how many pots am I gonna have to clean up if I, <laughs> you know what I mean? So I, I do right. have a real affection for stews, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Stuff that takes just one or two pots to make. Um, but, uh, but then, yeah, there's some stuff that's just fun to do up, you know, so like, uh, like, like doing, you know, I, I, I really like, um, Japanese style, um, uh, uh, uh chicken curry. Uh, mm. and, oh. uh, and so I, I don't know, I saw a picture of somebody who had like done a little panda bear, um, <laughs> like made a little panda bear out of rice and kim and, and stuck it in there, like, so it's a hot tub, you know, curry mm-hmm. hot tub with a yeah. little bear in it. And I was like, I'm gonna do that. Mm-hmm. And so I got a little polar bear in there with, uh, with with uh with green pea eyes it's, it's really good it looks so good in japanese curry oh yeah. that's and so then, good and then i did a re- i did one that i haven't posted pictures yet which is like a big a big bear made out of rice um and then when you cut them open chili spills out <laughs> oh my <laughs> god so you yeah horrible, but, uh. this is going to be a real um there's uh yeah if you want to get some good recipes this book is for you now greg i, I didn't even know you drew i mean i'm not surprised to find that you draw because you you do everything Aww. but uh yeah you also have some little cartoons in the book yeah i mean i've i've drawn um i i, I was one of those kids who drew uh I am nowhere near as talented as any of the artists I work with. I mean, the, the artists I work with on, in comics, they can literally draw anything. I can, and, and I, I, I can't aspire to that even, mm. but, uh, but I, you know, I've got a kind of a functional cartoony style that, that, uh, that I've, you know, I, I love to draw and, um, and I've, I actually did cartoons for, you know, like my high school paper and some college papers and, I did a I did a weekly cartoon for the Korea Times New York for for a, a few months in uh, 1991, way back mm, in the day. Wow. So, um, so you know, like I said, the the format of this book, it's gonna it'll you know, there's gonna be fun little you know interludes of things, and so I'm gonna throw in some of my food related cartoons. I'm probably gonna draw some stuff. Yeah, I was just thinking about this. Like, there there's some I, there's some some folks who. Uh, who love to cook and love, um, you know, to look at recipes and all that kind of stuff, but for whom it is still not a pleasant thing to look at, uh, certain forms of raw meat. And, uh, and like one of the things I want to do is I want to show people how to cut up a chicken, cutting up a whole mm. chicken, you know what I mean? Which is actually really pretty simple, but, um, but it feels like a big step. Like when you're right. starting to learn how right. to cook, you know, it was certainly a big deal for me when I learned to do that. But I, I think I'm going to do that. I'm going to draw a, uh, 
little instructional cartoon on cutting up a whole chicken because somehow I think that'll be a little more fun to look at in cartoon form than the yeah. glistening yeah. photographs of a raw chicken. Being <laughs> yeah, yeah, just uh, you know, sugarcoat that. Now, Greg, this this is a real personal book for you, um, and I, I guess uh, you've done a lot of crowdfunding before. Yeah. You're a Kickstarter, like I said, you wrote, you kickstarted a book about kickstarting, right? How about that? Yeah. And so I guess, you, you know, this is not probably the kind of book that someone would do maybe for their first Kickstarter, but you felt comfortable doing it. This yeah. Way. You know, it's funny because I was, I, I had no idea. I mean, I've, I, this is my sixth Kickstarter. And yet every time, and so I think I know a lot, and I do know a lot about this kind of stuff, but every time I have no idea how it's really going to go over. You know what I mean? It's like, I mean, it's the, you know, whatever, it's the William Goldman thing. Nobody in entertainment business knows anything, right? Um, I mean, we all know as much as we can, and we try to learn as much as we can, but, you know, we're still surprised. Um, so I had kind of thought that this very personal, quirky book about my, you know, that's going to, that's very clearly about sort of my emotional journey through cooking um, was going to have a pretty limited audience. You know what I mean? Like, it seems like a limited audience to, it, it was basically going to be for people who know Greg Pak and are interested in finding out how to cook what he cooks and what he thinks about it on an emotional level. Like, that seemed like a sort of narrow, uh, uh, small audience. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And I was kind of comparing that to, um, my expectations were similar to the uh, Kickstarter Secrets book, which was a book that was for people who want to do crowdfunding, which is a fairly mm. niche audience, you know? Kickstarter is fantastic about doing stuff for niche audiences because, you know, like, like the, it, a lot of big companies will sort of turn their noses up at stuff for niche audiences because they've got just a lot of overhead. They've got, um, and it's so, and it's harder for them to, uh, invest all of that into something that, for a niche audience. But it's perfect for Kickstarter because, mm -hmm. you know, if you're just a solo person doing something, you get a couple hundred people behind you, you do it. It's amazing. Right. Um, and, and it's a thing that should exist and that there's a huge audience for. So that's great. I mean, so like the Kickstarter secrets thing, you know, we had like 600 backers. I felt like a massive success. To yeah. And subsequently it's got to hundreds more people. Um, I actually have been giving it away during the pandemic, um, just for free as a digital book. But, um, but okay. So long story short, I was kind of looking at that as my basis of comparison, but then I was kind of surprised and then sort of surprised that I was surprised because the, the, this thing is done. Um, it's only been out there a little over a week now, a week and a day now, and it's already, jumped past the totals for Kickstarter secrets. I'm looking um, at that and, and I was just looking at that. Yeah. Yeah. So I, and, and, and then I was like, well, of course it did because everybody eats, you know what I mean? If you're alive yeah. you're eating, and, yeah. and everybody has some kind of relationship with cooking and food. I mean, not everybody cooks, but also that we're at a time when more, like you said, we're during the pandemic, a lot of folks started cooking and, and feel the need to cook, uh, that didn't do it before. And, and also, I mean, I had been downplaying the fact that it was um, a personal story in a way, in my own head, not not in how I talked about it. I don't know how I talked about it. I'm talking about it all the time. But um, but I kind of thought like, oh, I, I don't know if that's going to sell it. That's just what it has to be. But I think also, I, again, this is like, of course I know this, that like we're compelled by personal stories. That's why we, you know what I mean? It's like, I, I write Darth Vader and the Hulk and it's like, it's not just about Darth Vader or hacking people down with lightsabers. It's about Darth Vader's, you know, it's about Anakin's relationship to his mother and Padme and, yeah. and Luke and everybody else. That's, that's why we care. It's the personal stories. So, um, so yes, I, I mean, I've been incredibly gratified and, uh, 
with the response and grateful, um, you know, for, you know, for all the folks who are jumping on board and, um, and yeah, it, it, it is, it's an encouragement, I think, to, uh, to keep doing, you know, stories that matter, you know, if it matters to us as storytellers, it's gonna, there are going to be people who care about it. You know, it's mm. the stuff that dies, the stuff that you don't really care well, about. But, but people want to connect. I mean, yes. that's the thing during the pandemic. I think we've all had a chance to, um, to, we've all learned a lot about ourselves. You know, I went to New York Comic Con and I went to, I went to Baltimore Comic Con and I met up with a lot of people I hadn't seen in, you know, two years. Yeah. Uh, sometimes a little less, but you know, 18 months to two years or even more. And that was just what we were talking about is, is, um, you know, we've all been on a journey for the last yeah. 18 months and, and we desperately do want to start connecting again, I think, or most people do. Some people learn they just like staying at home. And not connecting also. And that's great. That's great that people have discovered that and feel comfortable enough with that now, don't you? Right? So, um, yeah, people, people want to cook and connect. And, you know, cooking is connecting. I mean, it is obviously the dinner party and there's so much and, uh, such, you know, so, so much that's social about cooking and, and, you know, sharing food. And it's, you know, it's like at every party, there's always, um, it feels like the kitchen some somehow mm. suddenly becomes the the center. You know what I mean? Like everyone yeah. can go stand in the kitchen. Yeah. Um, it's just, I mean, I think just instinctively, it's like a, you know, I mean, it's literally, I mean, for centuries, I think the kitchen was the warmest place in the house because that's where the mm. stove was, right? You know what I mean? Right. So there's there's something ingrained about that, but it's also, you know, I mean, that's where that's where the. <laughs> That's where it smells good. That's where all the good nursing <laughs> stuff is happening. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's where somebody's caring about you. And, yeah. uh, it's, um, it's powerful. I mean, that's, I think huh? it's just powerful and visceral. And, uh, so anyway, it, it's a good, you know, it feels good to be working on this kind of project now mm-hmm. too. I mean, for all those reasons you said, you know what I mean? Like the pandemic certainly is, and it's, it's not even literally just the pandemic, but it's like, um, you know, I mean, I, I think, uh, we've all, yeah, I mean, it's, it's like, it's not just like, um, being hit by sickness or, or, uh, or, uh, you know, during the pandemic, but it's that everybody had, I mean, things kind of, not for everybody, things didn't go on hold for everybody the same way, but, uh, certainly there's a lot well, of evolved, yeah. exploded throughout and had to keep working really hard in dangerous ways. But, but there is a sense that, that folks had some extra time to think about things a little bit. And, uh, we live in a culture that doesn't really want us to slow down, you know, mm. that wants us to keep us moving so that we don't think about things too much and don't start complaining. And, uh, we had more time to kind of think about stuff yeah. and kind of take stock and, uh, yeah. think about our Hell priorities, yeah. think about the priorities of the whole freaking country. And, uh, but you know, but the, I, you know, this is, you know, kind of reflected in this too. You know what I mean? It's about, um, it's about thinking about the things that matter and, and, and thinking about our daily activities and how and why they matter. I mean, there's mm. a funny thing too, I, I've been thinking about too, which is that we often think of cooking and just our, the daily things we have to do to maintain, we think of those as just like tasks that we have to get through. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, to get to the fun stuff. Yeah. Right. But, but we spend so much time around food that, um, and I think we tend to think of all, all our time around the food is like sitting around eating and chatting, but, but every part of that should be part of the journey. Every part of that, there should be joy in every part of that. You know what I mean? Like that's yeah. like the, the actual cooking is, 
And, and I think a lot of us, if you cook all the time, sometimes <laughs> you cook out of anger too. You know what I mean? Because yeah. it's like you're doing all this labor. And, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, I think about my mom's anger from time to time. You know what I mean? It's like, like that's, that's, that's real too. That'll be. Yeah. Amazing. Oh, I think, yeah, I think my mom, I, I think my mom also has my, I think that's a mother thing for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I'll yeah, leave it at that too, because yeah. she listens to this podcast. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, we appreciate your mom. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, uh, you know, also, I mean, your timing in this is, uh, well, I don't want to say fortuitous. That's a wrong kind of word, but, um, timing is again, Greg Pak. Uh, prescience, let's put it that way, because, uh, we are seeing a huge surge in interest in Korean culture. Oh, yeah. Uh, the Squid Game obviously being the latest and, but I mean, it's kind of, you know, we've been seeing a big influence in, um, Korean culture over the last few years. And I mean, of course, I live close to the K town here in New York, so I'm always running over to 32nd Street. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, is there that, you know, you, what do you think of, of that rise of, of Korean culture here? I said, well, it's a trip. You know what I mean? Like, uh, I, it's funny because it feels like everything's falling apart in the world. At the same time, there are things that are happening that are unbelievably good and that are, mm-hmm. you know, moving forward in really wonderful ways. And the fact that, you know, that there's, um, I don't know, like I'm a, I've been, I've been working on Asian American characters and stories for 30 something years now. And, uh, there's literally never been a better time since I've been alive to get those kinds of stories out into the world. There's just a receptiveness to them that wasn't there before, you know, among mainstream, uh, American media companies. Um, and, uh, you know, and that's, that's tied into a lot of different things, but certainly the rise of, of, you know, uh, and, and the popularity of Korean pop culture is part of that. Um, no, it's, it's a thrill, you know, I mean, it's, it, it's fun. I mean, there's, there are, of course, you know, real distinctions between, you know, uh, a, I mean, there's, there's as many different Korean or Korean oh, of American experiences yes. as there are different Korean and Korean American yeah. people, but, but, but just, yeah, but it's still, it's still a thrill. I mean, it's, a, it's, um, yeah, it's funny. I did a, uh, I did a cooking thread, um, where I was cooking bukguk, which is a uh, Korean rice cake soup. And, um, for, I don't know who retweeted it or what happened, but somehow that, that one really took off and with hundreds of, you know, views and likes and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, and, <laughs> and there were some, like, I, I realized that, that, had, that there were some Korean folks from Korea who were, who were checking that one out mm-hmm. too, you know, and um, <laughs> so it, it's kind of, you know, I mean, but that's, there's a, uh, but, and, and absolutely, you know, people of all different backgrounds are interested in Korean food. Uh, so that, you know, it's, it's, um, that's it's just fortuitous, I guess. I mean, this is just the stuff we eat. So, right, right. So I'm, I'm kind of I'm fortunate in a way that that is something that people are interested in right now. But it's yeah. also like, but you're also going to find out about uh about my mom, some of my mom's like you know German English Indiana mm-hmm. Texas cooking, you know, for my for my for my Caucasian mom and mm-hmm. like the these crazy little uh, German Linze touching mm-hmm. these little. Uh, cookies that she used to make that we got the name completely wrong because it was bastardized <laughs> over the years. But, um, but yeah, so it's, I mean, it's going to be a real mix. It should be fun. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. Well, um, you know, talking about, uh, though, 
Let's let's go back to the newsletter thing because oh, yeah. this is fascinating. <laughs> you were, and you know, so this is 2018. I think it was like the beginning, so like um, three and a half years ago, and you did have a newsletter, and I think you had been on Twitter, of course, just talking about how creators need to empower themselves and cut out some of these, um, you know, these platforms. That could go away in a in a moment's time. Is that yeah. is that where we were back then? I that's, think. Yeah, that, that's that's about it. Yeah, I mean, I was just hyper aware of the fact that you know, I mean, I had put a lot of time into Google Plus at one mm. point. You know, oh like yeah, thousands upon thousands of followers there. And then like, I never, you know, I never bothered. I, I yeah. saw that coming a, a million miles away. <laughs> I knew that Google would never be good at a social media platform oh, because they don't get people at all. Google's yeah. not based on on like. Cooking in the kitchen. Google does not do that. No, no. So, and, and, you know, and we don't see these, these social media companies come and going. And eventually, you know, like they're all, and, and also all of these social media companies, um, and I, and I'm not saying this out of any kind of sense of moral superiority because there I am on Twitter, you know, all the mm-hmm. time pushing stuff, but, um, but they're all kind of awful, you know, <laughs> designed, they're literally designed. Yeah. To increase interaction, no matter what that interaction is. So they amplify, and, and there have been studies out, and they've, and, you know, like like whistleblowers and everything. They amplify any kind of noise and, and amplify negative noise. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So like yeah. they, they monetize, you know, like they they make money when people harass each other. You know yeah. what I mean? On these platforms. So, oh so there's a, there's kind of a horrible. They're kind of horrible. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, at the same time, they enable so much. You know what I mean? Like right now. Like, I think, um, you know, like something like a third, at least a third of the backers of, uh, of this new Kickstarter I'm doing came directly from Twitter mm-hmm. links. You know what I mean? Like right. I posted that on Twitter and, and people click that and that's how they find it. So, so they're kind of indispensable, but at the same time, they're, they're kind of terrible. And also they change their algorithms all the time so that they kind of screw us over. Uh, you know, like, um, like if you have something that you need to get out into the world immediately, and if, if Instagram is your one place to do that, you're screwed because Instagram uh-huh. doesn't do things chronologically. And so something urgent may show up in somebody's, uh, you know, on somebody's feed. Somebody who's chosen to follow you may not see your post until two days later, you know, right. two days after your event. Right. So, so that's kind of a mess, um, to say the least. Uh, so I was, um, there was, yeah. So at the time you were talking about, I was like, um, I, I came up at a time when, uh, I started putting stuff out into the world at a time when, when, uh, when email was actually just kicking in big time. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, like, and so I was, I was running around distributing a feature film, uh, in, uh, in early, in like 2001, 2001, 2002, I was running around to film festivals with a feature film and I was handing out a, a legal pad and asking people to give me their email right. addresses. Like and, and you still email legal list. pad with the email address. Yeah, exactly. Beautiful. Right? And, and so by the end of that, I had, you know, a few thousand people on an email list and that was incredibly effective in, in, in distributing this little independent movie. Um, and then I kind of let that dwindle over the years, you know, and, um, and then, but then, yeah, around the time that we were talking, I was like, I got to get this thing going again. And I did. Um, mm-hmm. and because, an email list, a person that you own, I mean, that go, that you've collected and that goes out, you, you send out your own newsletter, goes out through your own website or whatever. Um, that's something that people can't jerk out from under your, your, mm-hmm. your legs. Yeah. I mean, 
that comes with all its own issues because there's definitely ways in which email gets deprecated and, and new spam filters come out and, and, uh, and you have to kind of stay on top of this and make sure that whatever system you're using to send out your emails is not, uh, running afoul of all that. And, and of course you have to make sure people have opted in and all that now. You know what I mean? Like there's, right. There's a lot more. Yeah. But it's still a much more direct way of reaching people. Um, and a way that, that, won't go away as long as you keep track of it. You know, well, as as yeah. It, so. And then, I mean, you know, along came Substack. Yeah, right? <laughs> so, so, yeah, what do you think of that, Greg? I don't know. You know, I mean, I, I, I think it's great. I mean, there, there's other versions of it. Like, Patreon, frankly, mm-hmm. is essentially... Uh, yes. newsletter. You know it is. I mean? Like that's, and, and, um, so there's def, there's, there's definitely ways in which folks have, um, have, uh, you know, both individual creators have kind of figured out, oh, maybe this is something we can monetize. And also, you know, bigger companies are now coming in. I mean, some of these big initiatives feel like they are, you know, it's like, there's going to be a two year boom and then it's all going to crash because I don't know yeah. where the money is going to come from for the, for the big, you know, the kind of big payouts that mm-hmm. some folks are, are cashing in on now. Um, uh, uh, and I, you know, and then some of these are also, you know, it's a loaded situation too, because, um, you know, when you are, when you're signing on with another company in that kind of a way, you are also kind of lending your social capital to that company, which may not be, which may have also, you know, which, which may not be doing things that you like in other ways. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? It's just right. like, you know, just like Twitter, right? You know? Right. Um, so, so those are all loaded things, but the central idea of having a newsletter that's going out and that people are interested in newsletters and that, uh, and that you're building up a, um, you know, a list of, uh, of, of, folks you can email who support you. That's, I think that's, I, I think that is uh, a continuing smart thing for creators to be trying to do. Mm-hmm. I mean, Kickstarter itself, just running a Kickstarter gets you on the road to that because mm-hmm. uh, you run a Kickstarter campaign and you are sending updates through the Kickstarter platform to your backers. And so you, you have a successful Kickstarter campaign, you get a few hundred backers, now that's a, you can go back to them and message them when you have your next Kickstarter campaign. You know what I mean? Right. I mean, you right. Don't want to spend, uh, you know, like these are people who signed up specifically to support you. So they're going to be incredibly likely to support your future things. At the same time, you don't want to spam people all the time. You know what I mean? So you have to be a little careful with that, but it's still an amazing, you know, uh, it's, it's an amazing list, right? It's, mm-hmm. yeah. it's literally people who supported you. And who, who, you know, what, what list is better than that? Right. And I mean, there is still, um, I mean, I think they did identify the need for direct, you know, connecting with your audience directly with fewer, fewer middle spaces between it. You know, it's funny though, you were talking about Twitter and anger. Another thing I realized the other day was just, I was reading like, um, some takes on movies, like, you know, Dune. Now I saw Dune and I loved it because I thought it was beautiful. You know, I mean, I liked the book when I was a kid and, you know, it's a big splashy fantasy with a lot of really attractive people in it. What's not to love, right? And, um, though I understand there was issues, but I mean, people were just like putting it down in like, you know, two sentence Twitter slams. And I, I realized, you know, back in the day, if I was on a, say, CompuServe or AOL or a community online that had um, moderators, if you just came on and posted a two-sentence put-down of something that the other people on the group loved, you'd be considered an asshole and you'd get kicked off or yeah. reprimanded, right? 
Yeah, no, but that's that's good. That's that's good interaction. That's good interaction. Right, on Twitter. right, but yeah, that's, and you get that is a lot of clicks. But I mean, it's like if you literally had these, like you know, short, curt takes on things, and yeah. and in an actual online community, you would be considered a total asshole. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's, I mean, there's a thing called I, I'm trying to remember the phrase for it now. It's a sociologist phrase uh. like context breakdown i think oh yeah yeah you know which is this notion that um people will post stuff on on twitter or on any social media that's just the kind of stuff they'd say to their friends in passing because mm-hmm. it's such a it's like you're texting right it's right, like a conversational right. kind of thing um other people come along and see that right. they don't know anybody right. they don't know people in the conversation they don't know the uh they don't know the context. And so they take that just kind of as face value as something that like a politician might say. Right. And then they, they argue with it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so it, uh, uh, it's, it's, it's like every sort of passing idle thought that somebody has becomes, um, analyzable the same way a, an official statement from, uh-huh. Uh-huh. you know, like the governor of your state would be, you know, which is, which is, uh, uh, which is sort of inevitable given the way these things are organized, but also untenable and not mm-hmm. really rational. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's a mess. Yeah. It's a mess. So I, I mean, my, my personal policy is I never, I literally never argue on Twitter. Like that's mm. really, really try to stick to that. I mean, <laughs> I, well, I, um, you know, Greg, I, I do have a tweet from you is my pinned tweet. It's been oh, up there for like three or four years. Right. It's been up there a long time, <laughs> but uh, it was like, you know, it says it's another day to another beautiful day, another day to be kind to people in person and online. And I try to take that as one of my mantras too. It's hard, be, you know what I mean? Like, and, yeah. and none of us are perfect, you know what I mean? No. We're all gonna goof up, but but there is. I mean, I these these are. I mean, on the one hand, it's like, you know, there are there there's. I don't know, you know what I mean? Like there, there's. There's terrible stuff going on and you gotta, you know, there's, there's gotta be ways to address that. Uh-huh. At the same time, there's also random things that random people say that doesn't, that don't need to be amplified to uh-huh. the whole world. You know what I mean? And like fighting, fighting some, you know, like, yeah, I mean, it's also that thing of like you, you, when you amplify a troll, you give a troll exactly yeah. what a troll wants. And, and, and there's a lot of trolling that's designed to make money, you know? And I mean? they, yeah. And you know, it's, it's a lot of these like reactions to trolls and things were kind of, you know, there was policies about all this stuff in the earliest online communities. And, yeah. um, I do feel like places like Facebook have completely, like you were saying, they've completely, um, gone around those policies that the community made. The actual community made so that, you know, like you said, they're, they're uh, making money off of trolling and strife and, and you know, the, but the thing that gets me is the more you tell, try to tell people that the more you're trying to silence, you know, yeah, you can't I mean, tell people like Soil and, Green is you know, people, people. Right. I mean, you know, and, and there's, <laughs> you know, honestly, there's some truth to that too. It's like, you yes. know, it, it, and yeah, so, there, there is. so there's, there's, there's a lot of stuff going on. I don't have any, I don't have any magic answers to no, it. I do no. know that, that at a certain point though, you know, like, you know, Twitter, I mean, these social media, uh, I, I, I have a lot of friends who are kind of starting to check out, you know, a lot of creators mm-hmm. who are like, I don't, you know, I don't know what the, um, I, I'm, I'm feeling less of the upside to being on these platforms. Uh, uh, and, um, uh, and, and that's, you know, I mean, so I, again, it's like having, um, 
trying to cultivate other ways to reach, mm. you know, right. becomes, becomes important. Yes. Know? I mean, it, it is a terrible, you know, it's a bind because if mm-hmm. you are trying to do, trying to ensure that you can work, um, no matter what, you know, so the, so you're trying to ensure that you have a way to do independent work, uh, and take advantage of the, <laughs> the digital revolution, which we're now, God knows how many years into <laughs> take advantage of these tools in order to reach people directly mm. and, and, you know, create cool stuff and get it directly into the hands of people. That's a huge gift for independent creators. But, um, uh, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, so, so if you completely bail on social media, you're that's, that's, I mean, it's, that's impossible for some people to do because they're, you know, and it's unfair, you know, because they're the uh, independent creators, Right. Need that when they're starting off, you know, but, but there's, there, there, there's gotta be a better way. There have to be better ways. And, yeah. and, and I, I don't know, just diversifying the ways we can reach, reach audiences. So, so Greg, since you were such a prophet about the newsletter, what's next though? Oh God, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Cooking, I mean, cooking, I will, I, dinner I, parties. Yeah, exactly. Right. I, I mean, I will say that the, uh, that I, I mean, I wasn't even, like the newsletter thing was, it was retro. You know what I mean? Like that's, I, like I was just like, this thing that we did back when is actually still relevant, you know? And I think that's, that kind of still applies. It's like, um, I, I mean, I haven't done, and the, uh, the other thing, Heidi, is that the, the pandemic contributes to all this too. Yes. Because, because the, um, you know, there's so many independent creators who depended on cons, who, who mm-hmm. would go to cons and make money. And that was a big part of how they, sustained and even folks who don't make that much money at cons like a lot of creators who go to cons and and just meet fans and sort of solidify you know a presence you know what mm-hmm. i mean so they like if somebody meets you at a con and has a positive experience they remember your name the next time a book rolls around with your name on it they're gonna be like oh yeah that person's kind of cool i'm gonna check that out you know and so you take away that chance for that kind of personal interaction and those that kind of connection starts to slip away yeah so um so there's been a lot of compounding things that have kind of goofed stuff up you know mm. um yeah so but uh and i has i still haven't gone back to cons you know i'm, I'm still because i got you know vulnerable people like health people with health issues in mm. my family that i'm still so i'm still being super careful i'm hopeful that in uh 2022 i'll be able to start doing events again so fingers crossed on that yeah but, yeah um but yeah that's uh i mean I, I do think that, uh, yeah, I mean, in ter- like, what's next? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, Heidi. I mean, I, I, I just, you'll I, figure I, it out. You'll just evolve into it, whatever. Exactly. So, uh, um, let me ask you about, a, we're running out of time here, but I uh-huh. did want to ask you about some, you know, you, the thing you're best known for, which is writing comics, actually. Yeah. We haven't barely talked about that. <laughs> um, I see, well, let's talk about um, Mech Cadet, yeah. uh, which I think we talked about last time, which had come out, but now it's going to be an animated series. So what's yes. up with that? Yeah, very exciting. So Mech Cadet U is a uh, – it was a 12-issue uh, series that was published by Boom, drawn by Takeshi Miyazawa, drawn by uh, – and written by yours truly, about kids and giant robots uh, and, uh, you know, fighting giant monsters. And, and uh, you know, it's, it, the, the central character is a janitor's kid who uh, – who works at this military academy, dreams of flying a giant robot, never mm-hmm. will have a chance, and then suddenly gets a chance. And so it's this underdog story of this janitor's kid now who suddenly is uh, one of the young cadets who has a giant robot. Yeah, um, giant robot. Exactly. So, um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, it got, um, it's been picked up by Netflix and being made into an animated television show. So 
that's uh it's pretty exciting so right all right next, uh, we'll, we'll have more news about that hopefully fairly soon that's fantastic um as i looked at some of the things you were just doing it seemed to be um you know star wars stranger things firefly yeah. so yeah you were working working in other people's universes for the moment oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I've been doing that, you know, basically since I started in comics. But, um, yeah, it is kind of interesting. Like, for the first time in a while, I'm not doing – yeah, I'm not really – I don't have an on uh, – like a current superhero project going. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm, I'm working in tons of comic stuff, but I'm doing – yeah, I'm doing a Stranger Things book. I'm doing a Firefly book and, and the Darth Vader book uh, mm-hmm. for, Star, for Marvel, the Star Wars Darth Vader book. Um, which is yeah, – I mean, in a way, that's just a return to my roots. You know what I mean? I, I My – movie back in the day was called robot stories it was a indie sci-fi movie and all of that so it's it it all feels great i do have some uh some other projects coming out more comics projects that i can't yet uh talk about but more creator own stuff as well um and i do actually i do have a superhero thing that eventually will be uh revealed again but um but no, it's been a, I mean, I mean, I, you know, I'm not going to lie, Heidi, the, the pandemic was not a productive time for me. You know what oh. I mean? I, I kind of just held on with mm-hmm. my fingernails and, and, uh, you know, took care of, uh, the, you know, the books I had on tap, you know, and, uh, was very grateful to, to have that Firefly and that Darth Vader book going throughout that whole time because there were books that got, you know, put on hold and everything else. Um, but, uh. You know, I mean, it was, it's not an easy time. I actually had COVID back in, uh, in spring of 2020. Oh, wow. Yeah. So you caught it uh, right early on. Yeah. When they were telling us not to wear masks. Thanks. Right. I never listened um, to that. I got to be honest. I knew yeah, that yeah. was crap, but I had a mask. So That's I wore it for you. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, yeah. So, but, um, but yeah, so that was, uh, that was a tough time. Yeah. Um, but I'm kind of, you know, I'm, I'm kind of getting back on the, uh, Back on the proverbial saddle. Is that, is that the, is that the phrase I'm looking for? Sure. Back, back in the saddle. Back on the scooter. Exactly. And, <laughs> uh, um, and I, and, and, uh, it's, it's, yeah, I mean, it's, um, I will not say that <laughs> these are the best of times by any means, mm. but I, I am kind of getting my, act together at least uh you know in terms of like the stories i want to tell and and finding the way to tell them so was being aside from being sick um you know was your work um was your you know method of working disrupted by the pandemic well you know it was it was really just about the i mean being sick taking care of, you know, all of the other things that mm. you got to take care of during a freaking pandemic. Sure. Um, uh, you know, and there was so much uncertainty and so much scrambling, just like, you know, like everybody had to go through all right. of this. But I, I frankly just had less time, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Um, I did find that working, you know, when I was uh, working on the books I was working on, I was happy to be working on them that there was a kind of a funny way that it was actually comforting writing Darth Vader uh, in those early months sure. because this is a dude who's walking around in a full body suit with a mask and an air filter and everything else. <laughs> you know what I mean? Sounds ridiculous. Like no, that's a ridiculous I think it's, thing. But. I think if in times of great uncertainty, people do turn to Darth Vader. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> the comforter we all. Yes, the, well known, the well-known. Yes. Uh, yeah, you know, very, yeah, he's, he's reassuring. <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah, Vader Eternal. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Um but there's uh but you know there was something about yeah, you know, I mean it was it was working then was um felt good. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. uh so you know, uh but um but no, it was just I mean just logistically and everything else, it was very hard to 
do a lot of other things. And then, yeah. you know, and then we had all this chaos of the election and chaos oh, God. around that and all kinds of other chaos. And then, you know, and my, my mom passed away uh, earlier. Yeah, this year, I'm so. very sorry. I'm very sorry to hear that, by I, the way. My condolences. I, I, I didn't mean to. No, but I mean, here, but. no, no, no. I mean, you're, you're just being stating about life. I mean, this is what all yeah. of us, a lot of us have had to deal with. And, yeah. you know, it's, I mean, um, yeah, yeah, this is, this is how we, yeah. how we survive through this. I mean, it is interesting because it's like, I, you know, like I, I love writing. I love, uh, I mean, I'm a writer because writing is a way to make sense of the world and I, it's incredibly fulfilling and gratifying and hard and challenging in really good ways and all that kind of stuff. But I try not to romanticize writing, you know, and, and there's a way in which I think it's, it's easy to fall into narratives about like, you know, Oh, writers need to suffer in order to do good work or, you know, mm. and, you know, there's, there's a bunch of different kind of narratives that spin around like that. Um, but I, you know, so, so I, you know, I, I, I try not to feed into that. At the same time, I do think that, um, I mean, I am, I, I guess I will say I'm, I'm happy to be writing what I'm writing right now and that, uh, it's, um, it feels good right now to be writing some more personal stuff. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, uh, and, um, you know, maybe this would inevitably be the kind of stuff I would want, would want to write at this point, but I think, you know, definitely given everything the last two years have, uh have brought it certainly has made it feel like um why ever wait to write uh -huh. the stuff that really 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 matters you know right um i mean i'm I, I think i've always done that in a sense even like when i'm freaking writing planet hulk i'm investing that with all the things that i care about and and you know the kind of big moral questions and ethical questions and and just human questions that we grapple with but um but i'm doing it in a little bit more of a <laughs> obvious way now i guess right Right. You're going right to the stomach. Exactly. So, right to the stomach. <laughs> well, um, I think we're just about out of time. So I will say, uh, I think we've all, that's it. We've all, we're all on a journey. And you know, when you watch one of these exciting movies about a dystopia future or, you know, pandemics or giant robots attacking, you're like, Oh, wouldn't that be cool? And you know, <laughs> we learn it's not that cool now that we're going yeah. through it. But if you, uh, support Greg's, campaign at least you'll have a lot of tasty uh food recipes yes. to make at home and i'm exactly. literally looking at his photos right now and i'm absolutely going to have korean food tonight oh, so you. there's no way i'm not <laughs> and, 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 and when the next dystopia does come along uh you'll if you've gotten this book you'll know how to cut up a chicken so. yes there, there we go. So it's very, very practical. Uh, good, good uh, tips for the future. Um, oh, Greg, thank you so much for joining us again. And I'm sure we'll check in with you in three more years and see, exactly. <laughs> and see what's come out with that. We'll um, we find out that like cooking books are that that's the number one genre right? in the whole world. Absolutely. Exactly. Um, so, well, thank you again, though. I appreciate you, Heidi. Thank you so much. Yes. And uh, so until next time, this is more to come. The, uh